0: Welcome to the Pantheon Plus Rewind.
1: What's up and welcome to episode 42 of the Rewind. Good news, we are officially one week closer to playing Pantheon Rise of the Fallen, the upcoming MMORPG by Visionary Realms. And the Rewind is here to put the you back in community and keep the fires stoked for a game that we think is the next big step forward in the MMO genre but first somebody grab a torch or summon your fire argumental because my stealthy co-host needs to be revealed before we get going what's up minus how you doing man
0: hey man uh very good doing good yeah so now we're already using fire see this is this is gonna be trouble for me when we get into pantheon and the fire can
1: break stealth huh
0: yeah you got um, a real problem
1: you got fire yeah chest.
0: Uh, I like think no one's allowed to use fire swords. Like, I guess I'll never have a fire dagger. I don't know how that's going to work. It's interesting. Right? <laughs> yeah, what
1: if that happens?
0: Oh, um. No, man, not a whole lot going on. Uh, I've been listening to a lot of music lately. Um. I, I just get into these vibes where I just listen to music and I sit around and, you know, I'll have a few drinks or play a board game or something with a friend or, and mm-hmm. I'll just, I'll just listen to music and I just get so into it. Like once I put music on, I, I can just do that for. Hours. Um, mm-hmm. and my favorite thing in the world to do is open up Spotify, be like, Oh, remember this song and put it on. And then you go to the like people that listen to this artist also listen to this, and you just keep going <laughs> down that rabbit hole, so to speak, right? Yeah. Um, it's awesome. So uh no, just listen on music. Um, you know, uh, jumping on EQ2 here and there in between our play sessions to get ready for our next one. And mm-hmm. uh we just had that really cool moment with uh, on Twitter. I don't know if you saw that where uh, we as a community all came together and uh, I think it's what MMO games um, now yeah. put an article out for Pantheon. So that was a lot of fun.
1: Uh, big that shout was, out. Yeah. Crazy. I, I was going to bring that up too. Yeah. Big
0: shout out to, you know, Basgrim for getting that kicked off. And then, you know, the community came together and Nathan brought his community. We brought ours. Basgrim kept that going and even Pantheon jumped in. So really cool to see where it started. There was a poll for Pantheon. Um, you know, we weren't even in it. Uh, Pantheon <laughs> was not even in the poll for upcoming MMO RPGs the community speaks up, then it becomes a pool of ashes versus, you know, Pantheon. Those two games, those two developers are very close to each other. So it was kind of a fun thing, but now, you know, MMO games is committed to covering more Pantheon. You know, they're going to put more articles out. They've already wanted to reach out to some of the content creators to have some discussions with them. So, it's really cool to see like what the community did to kind of drive this media a little further forward. And, and again, it's not just the creators, it's you guys like all coming to the call and voting for Pantheon and throwing your comments in. So it's a really neat moment this week that really shows why community is such a big deal.
1: It was funny. It's it's like this has happened before with these polls where we sort of rally the troops, right? And they all sort of come running and everybody puts in their vote, right? And because there's such a loyal community behind this game and, and the 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 back and forth and the the mmo games.com saw it sort of happening in real time and they're like, Oh, really? Okay, well, <laughs> let's do a bigger thing then. And they sort of made it into a bigger thing. It's very cool. It was a lot of fun. A lot of yeah. fun. Right on, man. And and I want to mention, too, it's um, before we get to the show here, I have to becoming a weekly tradition, but um, I have to give shout outs for our listeners. Again, we had Bounty Code, Sparrow, Bobo uh, throw some donations in for the premiere last week. And um, again, as always, thank you so much. You guys are awesome. And, um, you know, if you're listening to this via download only and you're, you're missing out on the hangouts that we have Sunday morning where we just, you know, during the premiere we sit around, we talk, we get all caffeinated up and talk some nonsense and have fun <laughs> listening to this show. So if you can make it for a premiere, I mean, I really, you know, at least try try to make it once because, um, you know, Ferris Bueller had a good quote one time. He said, you know, if you have the means, I highly recommend it. It is so choice. <laughs> so <laughs> come hang out on Sunday if you can. But thanks again to, to those folks that I mentioned. And uh, yeah, that's it. So minus you ready to get to uh, get a rewind on here? Oh, you know it, man. Let's do it. This week in Visionary Realms
0: News and Notes. All right. So we always start with the uh, VR news and social media recap, their Twitter, the forum updates, you know, that direct VR communication. And we have a few things to discuss this week. We're going to start with VR's monthly developer stream, which featured Nephal and Crafting. Uh, we're not going to go super into depth on this. We could do a whole show on this. And we kind of already did right there on Pantheon yeah. Plus U. Um, so you guys can go back if you want to hear our thoughts and check it out on Pantheon Plus U episode 52. That'll be uh, on YouTube, obviously, by the time you're listening to this and um, more so if you want to hear directly from Nafel, uh jump over to uh, the actual Pantheon feed on, Panthe- on Visionary Realms YouTube page and then you, know, you can hear it right from his mouth if you don't want to hear our opinion. So I just want to cover a couple quick things and then we'll get right to Twitter. Now there were patch notes and uh, we read through these on Pantheon Plus U but I'm going to read through them again because there's some pretty good stuff here. And I'm going to do it quick. Mm-hmm. But there's a new projectile system that was put in for players and NPCs. There's a new hover animation suite which was shown in the artifact from the co-stream. And it was interesting because that's the first artifact we saw and it actually gave like protection from curse spell reflect gave some slow falls so that artifact did quite a few things other than just making you hover and look really awesome um, <laughs> you know the pursuit code for ai was upgraded um that's something they've been working on a lot with uh, npc pathing stuff like that how does the npc follow you and you know, hunt you down to your death. Um, <laughs> the audio trigger system um, is is updated. You know that was like we saw in the old stream with the uh, faded memories uh song that kicked up or or score, I yeah, guess was, you'd say.
1: Yeah, that that awesome moment when he looked through the hole in the wall in the cave there. Yeah, really cool.
0: Uh, they talked about dispositions. Pyrophobic was you know the first really. Uh, disposition put in after the refactoring and it's fully functioning. You know, they'll be tweaking it here and there, but it was on display in the stream. Uh, improvements to the camera for zooming and first person. There's a lot of people in the Pantheon community that want to play in first person. Not really something I'm into, but it's cool that that option will be there for them. Um, well, kind of
1: funny when we've been playing Neverquest too. I actually just experimented around with that because I always thought I'd like to go back to it, but <laughs> I don't know, man. I, don't know. I can't. That's I a, can't
0: be that yeah. unaware of my surroundings. I guess is the way to put it. Like being in first back. person. Yeah. yeah um toll tip system i know this isn't the most exciting thing but they put a dynamic tooltip system in finally so when you highlight over abilities it's going to change you know what the ability does depending on your stats which is really cool and i love that you know as a numbers guy i'm big mm-hmm. into that um and that actually is going to tie into something else we're going to talk about today but really cool to see that you know you get a buff you get a debuff you put on different armor you can actually see with hovering over your abilities how they change and i, I just think that's phenomenal personally yeah it's me too huge me too. Um, the buffs and debuffs, how they're shown on the NPC is cleaned up. Um, defense now depends on positioning as a rogue. Very important to me. I was backstabbing and getting parried every once in a while. It's like, Hey, hey. um, so, you know, <laughs> there's no happen. more. Yeah. Unless you're a monk, because we did get that little bean that monks apparently can block from behind. That's monks a pretty, awesome. that's a pretty neat mm-hmm. little thing. And, uh, you know, as we talked about last time, there monks are next on the uh, list, I think. Yeah. So we yeah. should see a monk hopefully soon. Um, pretty and awesome. then, yeah, and then obviously they put the base harvesting and crafting system in. So when you guys go back and, and check out that content, know that this is step one of many steps to getting the crafting system up. And what I'm about to say here is going to be short and sweet. There's a lot more to it. But essentially, crafting will feature six different positions uh, professions in which you'll be able to pick one. But then even in picking that one, you're going to decide how you want to specialize within that profession, which I like a lot. It means that, you know, multiple blacksmiths can be different from each other and still support each other. Right. Um, you're, yeah. Right. So you're going to be able to gain base levels in all the harvesting jobs, which is interesting. So you'll be able to harvest at a low level. It looks like in all of the harvesting jobs, but um, at the same time, you'll need to pick two to specialize in. So again, sort of that, um, okay, you can, you can pick some easy plants. You can, you can hit a rock to get some, some ore, <laughs> but if you want to be specialized, you're going to have to pick two. And and I like that. I, I'm okay mm-hmm. with that. There's a lot of people who I think want to be able to have all professions and all harvesting, but I think it brings more identity when you have to make choice. What do you think on that?
1: Yeah, choices are interesting. We we've we've mentioned this with regard to classes. If you have everything available, you know, the choices become irrelevant and, and everybody can just do everything. So I think it's the right move. I think it's sort of the obvious move, but um still good to hear it.
0: Yeah. Some of the people that will fight back against that say that, oh, well now I'll just have a bunch of alts. Great that means you're going to play more.
1: (laughs) Yeah. yeah. It's no problem. You know, I said this on the show last night on Pantheon Plus U last night. I said, or uh, (laughs) Thursday night, that, um, (laughs) you know, uh, I lost my train of thought. I wasn't going to say. I got lost in my own uh, time syncing up. But, um, oh, that inefficiency is is... Games have made everything so efficient and that's a problem. There has to be inefficiency for the for the, in a game like in MMOs especially because that's what causes other people to be involved, right? If you can do everything very efficiently, you don't need anybody else. And that's a point I made on the show the other night.
0: Yeah. Now there's a ton of talk about the general gist of everything,
1: uh, but but
0: breaking it down, they they really want adventuring and crafting experiences to matter equally. And to be uh, they use the word uh, symbiotic relationship between them. Mm -hmm. So crafting was going to contain molds and patterns that you'll be able to decide which types of materials you want to put into. And I think it's going to make crafting more customizable to make specific needs uh, for gear, which is kind of cool. Like when you're designing for a rogue who wants to, you know, be strength heavy or dexterity heavy or agility heavy, however you want to do it. You're really going to be yeah. able to make decisions based on how you build these things through the, you know, the patterns, the molds or whatever you use, which is kind of neat. It's uh, it's different. It's a little different. than that, what works um,
1: Yeah, that point was really interesting when Nafal said that, because he kind of like he was very acknowledging that you don't want to lean into that too heavily. Right. Because then you get these like only warriors are going to be blacksmiths, right? Ones that use strength as their primary combat stat. If it's, if there's too much linkage between that and the crafting profession. So you have to be very, he said that, I think the way he phrased it was, you know, we want to do it in a very sort of like a, a little bit of a vague way. So it's not all powerful, not all encompassing. Yeah, exactly.
0: Um, I, t- I think that this is just going to help push crafting in a different direction than, you know, we typically see in MMORPGs, which is simply talk to somebody, learn whatever skills you can at the level, make a hundred of that item, move to the next one, etc. So I think it's going to add yeah. a little more flavor to it. And that flavor and the specialization hopefully means that, you know, you'll see some unique items that not everybody's going to be able to make, which is kind of neat. So. Um, yeah, very cool. Yeah, again, check out episode uh, fifty-two of the uh, Pantheon Plus U if you want to hear more in-depth discussion with us in the community. Or again, jump right over to Visionary Realms and uh, check with uh, their direct link to their show, uh, their dev stream, I guess you should say, where you can just hear it straight from Nepal himself. So,
1: and um, I think Nafel was yeah. actually going to post some stuff on the forums too. He was he was out talking on Discord today about you know other further questions. He lo- he loves the forums, right? He's always been a forum yeah. king. So always. if you want. Further questions that didn't get answered on the stream, chances are you, they're probably on the forums. Go check it out at PantheonMMO.com.
0: Yeah, for sure. So the next uh, thing we're going to do is going jump into the Twitter posts from VR this week from Gilson. And there's some actually some good debates. Um, the first one was, uh, how much stat details do you want to see? And it's interesting because we just talked about the um, you know hovering over your abilities and seeing that real-time mm-hmm. change. And I think that's pretty awesome. So lots of different answers here and different feels for it. So we're going to start with our buddy, Furious Pierre. Um, who says, right. please simplify stats, period, base it on percent slash plus 2% to hit th- plus 3% critical, etc. Trying to figure out the code to see plus 100 ZXY means is probably the most annoying thing about MMOs. Also, when old equipment gets outdated, offer a way to bump them up. It's a little, little interesting mm-hmm. thing there. Maybe do some, uh, crafting <laughs> to help bump those old items up. Yeah. Um, yeah. Reno says, with knowledge comes freedom of choice. Give me all the numbers.
1: <laughs> no, not all the numbers. Some like numbers, it. not all the numbers. Yeah. I like it.
0: Disposalist says, I'm torn. On one hand, I want the mystery and an unfolding of an unfolding world, not something detailed to the nth degree. On the other hand, there's nothing worse than getting to high level to find your character not how you'd like because you didn't understand the implications of your choice. So, good point there, I think.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I might, I might disagree a little bit just with regard to when you get to the year end and your character's not exactly how you like, you can't design it from the end to the beginning. You know, you just, you can never do that. I mean, some people want to do that, but I don't think that's good game design, but that's just maybe me.
0: Yeah. Uh, Jorgen Wickstrom says simple and advanced stats toggle so that you can see if you're interested and you can dig in, um, toggles. Everybody just wants everything to be toggled. Um, (laughs) people will figure out formulas and share it anyways. If you're upfront about it, we can help trap down odd bugs. It also helps people plan their gear, even when you're not a min-maxer. I think that's a huge point. I think a lot of times that like people planning their gear or being like, oh, you know, I want to get to this crit level because that's going to make this ability work better. That's not necessarily being a min-maxer. It's just experimenting sometimes. Just because people use numbers to get better or go after goals, it doesn't always make them a min-maxer. So
1: That's what I was going to say. What you just said about goals. It's fine. Having goals is good. I, I want my character. I have a goal for my character. And I, if I don't hit the target precisely, that's okay too. I mean, the thing is, is that, you know, um, I know MMO characters, You mean, you spend a lot of hours developing them. It's not like a single player game where you can Mm -hmm. sort of give it a few shots, have a few different saves going on. Like this is your one thing. I, I understand that aspect of it, but you know, it's like, If you have so much information that you can precisely aim it to the micro, you know, to the very nth degree, like, like, uh, disposalist said, I, I don't know about that.
0: All right. Well, the next one here was Elkman. He said, all, you'll see (laughs) all the numbers is impossible to make meaningful decisions. If you do know, if you do not know what you are doing, we think
1: that yeah, well, it clearly disagrees with what I'm saying. It's pretty much the exact opposite of what I'm saying, but
0: yeah. Serafina <laughs> um, so says, I'll just say this. This is a good one. If you don't give enough detail, the top players will test everything, math it out, and have spreadsheets for min-maxing. So one group having data and another not having that data will create a gap in the player divide derived from knowledge in addition to whatever skill gaps. I am a huge believer in this. If it's going to be possible for the top 10% to figure these things out, all you're doing is giving them more power than the people below them.
1: Not, that is no way. No way that like you can do it. Anybody can figure it out. I mean, but they won't. Y- well, they can. They won't. <laughs> I don't know, man. But, I, but OK, if you won't, then then you give up your right to complain about it. You know, like if you're not willing to do the work, you give up your right to sort of complain about it. You know, mm, I don't know. I don't
0: know. I don't think all players are that and are that capable of that in-depth dig that isn't fun. Let's be honest. That, yeah. a, that a top ten percenter would have to do if they're not given all the information. I've always been a that the, the point that Sarafita makes there, I have found myself making quite often. Um, it's it's very similar to like our political atmosphere with all this Reddit stuff that just happened, right? With like investors. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a lot of us that don't have the ability to have the money to invest to, to make our money bigger and bigger and bigger. But the people with tons of money, they just play around and they're just you know, making more and more and more and more money. It's mm-hmm. like to make money, you have to have all this money. So if you don't have money, you're screwed. Right. And it's it's kind of like what I think when I look at like accessibility to information, Um, if it's not accessible to the bottom, you know, 60, 70 percent, but it's accessible to the top 30. I think that just creates like this almost like um class-like system like from the olden days yeah, like yeah. that you have the people that have access versus the people that don't and i think that 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 creates a gap in my opinion i don't know
1: maybe I'm yeah crazy. no I hear, I hear what you're saying but i think i think you're arguing i think what you're arguing is exactly the opposite of like what happened like reddit showed that you that they can do they have power they didn't know they had it because they didn't have mm-hmm. because they thought they didn't have that power because they didn't have access but they realized no, we do actually have this power, and we did something about it. Right now, it's not going to last. Yes, they're going to change. They you know, just took baby. a
0: huge bath too. <laughs> they just
1: got yeah. Well, I mean, but initially there was there was some mm. success, and they yeah. just sort of showed that you don't like just because you don't necessarily aren't in a position of power, you aren't powerful. You know what I mean? I don't know. I think long term maybe that might be proven true But in it's the short it's kind of
0: like like think about like everybody who has high speed internet and everyone who doesn't. That's a huge that's advantage to everybody who has high speed internet,
1: right? Yeah, but that's not an effort matter. That's not like a if they just put in the work, they'd have high speed internet. <laughs> you know, it's like sometimes it's like a an access to. A I don't resource, know that it's
0: all effort. I mean, that bottom tier of people that aren't that don't have the capability to go into Excel and understand how to use Excel in the way that they're doing it to crunch numbers, and they don't know how to run a parser and pull this data from it. Like, I don't think it's that simple. I, I think yeah. you might be oversimplifying how that's fair. How one in that top 20, 30%, get that data. And and then all the flaws that's with that data, right? So like they do the data at their crunch and how they want to do it. And they come up with the results. And then it's, it's gospel because nobody can figure it out any different, right? <laughs> like the, the errors that are there, movement, things you can't calculate, you know, how you're supposed to move in a boss fight. None of that stuff can be calculated for the most part. So you're just, you know, you're believing the people who at least say, no, here's all my data, right? Like that's how it always oh, yeah. works. So I think the more accessible it is, the more that you can create clarity. And then if the game is built in a way that has choice and you do different things, then those numbers are going to empower the people that normally wouldn't have a voice to say, no, you can play this way too. Um, so I don't know. It's interesting. Interesting. Um, yeah, it is It's It's a very interesting discussion. We probably go into that quite a bit, um, yeah. but let's move forward. Uh, James yeah. Martini says none. So he, this is your guy. He says <laughs> expose no raw numerical data whatsoever and then he continues mm-hmm. he says one of the concerns was what if i put points into something but i'm already a cap the way you address this is not by implementing hard caps but rather using something like a log uh, log i can't say it i can't say it um, logarithmic yeah logarithmic
1: yeah, yeah. <laughs> progression
0: i know the word i can say it in my head i can't get it out of words um progression <laughs> for internal stats you never hit a cap but you get diminishing returns on investment um right. so so as a as an rpg mmorpg player there's really no difference between hard caps and diminishing return to the point where it's useless that's the same thing so
1: hmm, yeah interesting i don't know i mean i think i think when you i think if there are diminishing returns i mean that's one of those things that you'd have to figure out right like you'd yeah. you wouldn't know it necessarily but there's no hard cap you just have yeah, to see but, like eventually but most guess, of the time you, you know, play not have those soft numbers caps. you're not going to
0: see that yeah. But most of the time yeah. you play in soft caps, not as much hard caps. Like there were hard caps back in the day where like, well, I have to get to this hit percent. I'll never miss. That was needed. Mm-hmm. Right. But yeah. most of the time you play in soft caps. So it, it, diminishing returns is no different than just having soft caps, in my opinion. So it's,
1: it's so funny. I come from like I'm so old that it's like my the, the hard caps were always like. 255 because it couldn't go to 256 because of whatever the bits or, you know, or 512 was always the limit because, <laughs> yeah. you know, things always function in those sort of, in
0: those oh, uh, number sort of
1: ranges. <laughs> yeah.
0: The next one here is from decaying skeleton. He says detail in written language, no formulas. This drives player interaction and discussion. And most importantly to me, discovery, knowing class stats is enough for me, but don't mislead me. For example, to pump in and do agility thinking I'll dodge noticeably higher number of attacks. For those who want details, they can enjoy figuring it out and sharing amongst the community. Inevitably, the knowledge will spread. I feel the formulas are a shortcut to emitting viable gear that took development time and effort, by the way, leaving players to seek only the quote best. Side note, I liked how gear in Final Fantasy XI had small gradual stat increases, each point mattered, and having some low-level gear viable at high level. I was not a fan of gear swapping though. So the challenge against others to obtain those pieces. Uh, so he says, looking yeah. at you, leaping Lizzie. So um, a lot of good points there. I thought that
1: he made. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, it's well thought out. Well thought out three tweets. <laughs> yeah. Three tweet. I
0: like that. Um, you might've just coined a phrase there, a three tweet. All right.
1: Hashtag three tweet.
0: Hashtag three tweet. You can't go to four. <laughs> One, two, three. What happens? It's like money Python, right? If you go past three, you've gone too far. <laughs> um, Keith Hill says, I agree with the poster that people will figure it out anyway. Might as well tell us. His example from tabletop RPGs makes a great point. You could also add that a UI toggle for minimal stat details so that people don't want to see all the extra numbers in math.
1: Toggles, toggles, toggles. <laughs> and
0: finally, Benjamin Brooks says, I like EQ and how they did each stat. They tell you the percentage it gives you and the cap. As a healer, I want to know my bonus healing. If it caps at 100% and I have 120 I can lose some of that to put into another stat. Keep it simple. Too much can ruin the experience. Now, that I'll agree with. I I think that's a good point. Like, don't make it so you don't realize that you have more than it works. I think that's important.
1: So Yeah, that's basically like I'm not 100% no information like James Martini was saying. Like, I'm really not there. I like the discovery process. I think the discovery process is what makes this fun. You know, when it's all just given to you, that's that that I have a problem with. But what he's saying, what, what Benjamin Brooks is saying here is like, yeah, like give us, like give us some, but, but I don't need to know every single underlying formula. I don't need to know. And I don't think the players need to know the the, the spreadsheets, they don't need to see the spreadsheets, just make it, there has to be something to discover. That's where I land.
0: Yeah. I love numbers. Um, you know, one of my favorite things to do in WoW openly was running SimCraft. You know, you, you right. throw a bunch of gear on, you pull a profile out of your character, you have it simulate a million times, you look at the simulations, you change and tweak some things, throw a different piece of gear on, what looks different, why. You know, then you have to figure out, okay, well, this is a, a standing still fight. So obviously, you know, if I do this versus this setup, there's a slight difference. But then when I'm moving, this is gonna be better. I just I I mean, there were days in WoW where I was logged into the game chatting with people, but I literally stood in one place changing gear and running sim crafts, and I loved the hell out of it. And I know that there's so many people, including a huge percentage of WoW fans, that hated it because they said, you know, why is the gear so complicated and why is understanding how to be stronger so complicated that I have to run this external program that does a million computations of my gear? Like, why don't I just know what's
1: better? And, and I yeah. can agree with that a lot, too. Um, think, of it like, think of it like this. I just had this sort of idea pop into my head. But, like, think of it like science, right? Some people really like to do science. Some people... Couldn't do science if their life depended on it, right? They they would run <laughs> do away. Do science, <laughs> but think about this: like the the universe doesn't reveal itself to us. Just we don't have the numbers, if, you know, that physics, the laws of physics abides by. We have that those numbers through through scientific experimentation, through scientific discovery. But they weren't just there, right? Like it wasn't we didn't need them. To be given to us. We need to, to discover them. And once we have them, yes, they're very useful and they're very helpful. So like what you're saying, standing there and wow, doing simulations all day, like you're doing science. Like, and I get the enjoyment of that. I totally get it. But I think that's the discovery process, right? You can't yeah. just have it handed to you. Then it's like it just takes away the magic of it.
0: Yeah, maybe. I don't know. It's uh it's a great, I mean it's I could talk forever about that. You know how into that type of yeah, stuff yeah. I am. So I'll <laughs> leave it at that. We both uh, we're a little different on that one for sure, but Yeah, Yeah. I get it. I mean, right. Like somebody discovered the internet. If we sat down as smart as we think we are and had to describe how the internet works, we probably wouldn't do it nearly (laughs) well. Right. But we can use it and be happy it's here.
1: So. Yes, (laughs) that's right. I will use my scientific analysis on the internet to continue to use it.
0: (laughs) So the next one here, uh, final topic from VR is limiting coin. What are your thoughts on forced coin limits? This is a weird question to me. Uh, Nathan Napom said, "Although there's no, although there is bound to be some sort of limit to the coin, uh, as eventually there has to be a number of digits the game can no longer account for. Uh, it always bums me out to hear what that limit is. Limitations just bum me out in general for some reason." Uh, Nemofe <laughs> said, "The only way I can see it working is if currency is placed in inventory slots like Diablo One, so it would naturally be limiting by its inventory size. But since it probably has its own currency tab, it just seems like a needless reaction." Uh, It was interesting bringing up the old Diablo one inventory slot. Um, (laughs) Basgrim was actually in on this. He says an artificial limit feels lazy to me. I'd almost rather coin weight or coin have weight if needed. But even still, that's not my idea of fun. I think you're better off putting more thought into how much money NPCs give and offsetting that money with money sinks to keep inflation in check. Uh, Walking Way says I can see uh, coin weight limit slash or weight slash limit being a good way to get people to reset their camps. Um, if you've seen a camping spot for hours and you have to go back to town or a bank to dump your goods and coin, allowing other players a chance to camp. It's a pretty slippery slope though. He had to throw that in, didn't he? Um, the old <laughs> slippery slope. Now I'm kidding. We're walking waste. That's just a trigger word for me. Um, if you're going to force weight limits or coin limits, you should have a good system for managing inventory space and a good reason for doing something like this. There could be a lot of people you upset that they have to reset just because there's an artificial limit on coin. Yeah. Um, Mark S. Moore said, I would be in favor of this, but I admire part of what my what is my bias of always being the outlaw outside of the hyper rich. Yeah, truth there, Mark. <laughs> um, I also understand that digital wealth and commerce are gameplay akin to any other system for many. The impact on gold farmers shouldn't be dismissed either, though. That's interesting. Mm-hmm. I guess the money weighs one, yeah. so much. Yeah. It's going to hurt. Hard. Um, Manuel, uh, Garcia said, interesting topic. I don't think there should be a limit. It will depend a lot of, on a lot of factors, drop amount from mobs, hidden treasures, sell versus buy prices. There will always be a lot of different players. Me, for instance, I suck at making money. Yep. High five, Manuel. High <laughs> five. Um, gaming fanatic says, uh, I think that is a hard question to answer. You want players to be able to make as much money as they can, but at the same time, Gold farmers can infest the game. So two more here before we jump into some topic here. Um, so Uso Gaming says having a weight limit and gear that will help assist encumbrance usually works well in, in the games I've played. This way you can have heavy lifting gear to increase encumbrance, but stat wise for other things just make it undesirable for other content. So it's interesting to have like uh, travel gear. I kind of like mm-hmm. that a little bit.
1: And yeah, finally, yeah. Like this pants is with big pockets or something. <laughs>
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, minus 10 strength, but
1: you got really big pockets in these pants. Yeah. Um,
0: so this was a really interesting one. And uh, I, I like this and it's an old idea, which is kind of crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, Sylvia de Barber says Ultima uh, had a great idea. Coin weighs a lot, but if you go to the bank, you can turn them into a check and pretty much weighs nothing. So just throwing some ideas out there. That's really interesting. Turning yeah. coin into notes is um, mm-hmm. be a really interesting system. Actually, I'm kind of get behind that.
1: Yeah, I kind of um, wonder if other games have done that. I
0: can't right?
1: think of any, but
0: yeah, no, I mean, geez, if I don't have to carry around all that copper to haste and boot strutter, I'd be pretty happy. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, I'm not, you know, they've talked a lot about weight limit on coin. I'm not against it. I'm mm-hmm. fine with it. Um, I've, I'm never, someone who has a ton of money. So, you know, we talked a little bit about <laughs> crafting the other night and like how I'd hate to have to constantly go back and forth to put my crafting materials and that would be frustrating. But for money, I don't know. I, it's, you know, that seems like a rich person problem and I'm never going to be rich. So I guess I'm not too, uh, it's not not a problem you have to solve. It's not, yeah, it's not a, an issue for me. What do you think? Anything on that at all?
1: Yeah. It's an interesting question. I'm, I think of it like, what problem are you trying to solve? Right? Like what, what is the problem that limiting coin is, would be trying to solve? Is it like, is it gold farmers? Is it, um, you know, the Economy uh, controlling people from becoming, you know, robber barons of some sorts. You know, like I don't know, I don't really see. I don't know what problem it's solving necessarily. I um I think there are probably pretty creative ways that you can address it. The coin weight thing, I wasn't a fan of it at first when we talked about it a little while ago, or when VR announced a little while ago, and um I I've kind of come around because I understand <clears throat> a little more about the uh, why they did it. You know, in terms of like. Controlling, um, you know, items and and making a gold sink, making banking, making um, using a bank useful, having a purpose, that kind of thing. So I don't know. I'm just not sure what kind of issue limiting somebody, how much gold they can have. Like, it doesn't say like on your person or in general, in total. Right. Like if if it's in total, like, again, what problem are you solving? Like, why can't my bank account have millions of millions of dollars in it? Like, I'm not sure why that would be a problem. But. I've learned in games one of the things I've learned in games is that it's easy to hoard gold and it's better to spend it because when you spend <laughs> it you are always hunting for more I tend to like I try to I try to spend my money as soon as I get it because that way I'm always like hungry for the next thing that can I can have more money with you know so it sort of feeds my my gameplay loop a little bit but um, maybe that's what they're going for with this I don't know.
0: Yeah, maybe with crafting, having all these like exclusive items that'll drop off enemies, maybe I can be rich by just selling all those things. We'll see. Yeah,
1: there you go. <laughs> all
0: right. Well, that's it for VR News and Notes. A little long this week, but Derek, let's uh, let's get to the next segment here.
1: When the Pantheon community speaks, we listen. So let's dig into the forums and fan projects to see what the discussion's all about. Okay, so this week's community discussion, we're going to look back at the Developer Roundtable with uh, Chris Kurapan-Rowan, who is VR's chairman and CEO. So he talked to Kilson. He answered some community questions earlier this week. And there were some really interesting pieces of information here. And we're going to get right to it. And as we go through this, Minus, jump in because there's, there's a lot. It's gonna We're not going to do like community discussion responses. I'm just going to sort of lay it all out because I think there were some lots to talk about here. Um, first of all, he started out, you know, sort of clarifying, he's not the evil corporate <laughs> over- overlord that some people think he is. He says, I don't, you know, I don't chew on my cigar all day. I don't got horns, you know, and Wasn't he, he that talked a little bit,
0: an evil corporate overlord would have you believe, no, I'm kidding,
1: <laughs> taking a bath in dollar bills, you know, like he's, he's not Scrooge McDuck. So we, we know that he, he was really, I didn't know anything about him, honestly, as just listening to it. I learned a lot about him. He talked about his professional background a lot, which is pretty interesting, Talked to really. had a funny story about almost losing an original PlayStation yeah. prototype when he was working yeah, was for funny. Sony. Is yeah. that crazy? Anyway, I'm glad that turned out okay for him. <laughs> um, he, he talked about coming on to um, the Sigil uh, team when they were working on Vanguard and trying to get that project back on track. He, he shared some pretty interesting details about you know he came into Sigil after Microsoft got involved. He basically said, "I did everything you know I could in a fundam- the most fundamental way to get the game." funded to ensure it was published and and it was a very difficult time he talked about. So he, you know, this, this is a situation that he grew very close with Brad McQuaid and um, it was really interesting to hear that. Um, so lots of ups and downs in terms of what he learned and and he reiterated that, you know, it's the passion, it's the commitment and the people, that's the key to, to a good team. Yeah. Anyway, getting to um, getting to Pantheon, one of the things he, he mentioned was how, you know, this, this team loves to talk openly about, ideas for a game for for pantheon right they're the vr team and sometimes that comes with perils i thought that was really cool because you know he says you can you when you talk openly it can lead to a lot of misunderstandings it can lead to cynicism you know these things they say can sort of take on a life of their own and um vr is doing something that usually occurs behind closed doors and getting held to speculation you know that's when it causes them to sort of like batten down the hatches a little bit and sort of you know, put the clamps on the in the information sharing a little bit because they get sort of worried that the things are getting taken the wrong way or misunderstood. Um, you know, he he just basically affirmed that you know, hundred percent, he wants to share information. Um, it's just trying to find the right balance. He gave the recent example, and I think this is important for the community to hear because I saw this too. <clears throat> you know, he was talking about um the idea of a progress tracker for the like for the twenty twenty one for meeting the road to alpha, the roadmap sort of idea. That was something that was discussed um, in the VIP forums. And he said this, you know. It, was, it got lost in translation, basically, and turned into something like, oh, okay, they have a progress tracker that's happening. He said, no, <laughs> that's not something I often doing,
0: wonder, but- you know, we're here, and, and let's be honest, Pantheon Plus, the plus is for positive, the positive is for, you know, being positive in the community. There's a lot to it, right? So sometimes yeah. I wonder, like, with our excitement and when we talk about the little things we hear, like, how many times we, we didn't it? accidentally contribute sure. to this? And I feel bad, right? Like, when you hear that, like, we're never mm-hmm. trying to do that. We're just, we're all really excited, right? So it's, well, it's, it's always
1: layers of translation, right? Yeah. Yeah. Oh well, we're not going to stop. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. You know, well, we'll just we've gotten this far. We're going to keep going. So, hey, listen. Yeah.
0: There's an easy way to stop us. Just give us a lot of exclusive content. Get uh, <laughs> give us some dev interviews. You know, let's book up Pantheon Plus with a lot of uh, insider info, and we won't have to
1: speculate, right? So that, that that's right. That's a very good solution. Uh, one of the questions that Chris was asked was um, how important is the evaluation build for this project? And we talked about this a couple episodes ago. But he, he gave some more insight. He said, you know, they've shown it to potential partners previous to this in bits and pieces, but this is something they can hand off to them. And he said, there's enough things that are completed in this build. Um, he said he showed them, you know, to one just that very morning of the interview that he did with Kelson, and they've had partners interested for a while, and they've actually gotten good constructive feedback. And he gave a couple examples, which I thought were really interesting. Um, quality of life features, things that we might not see, but but they're paying attention to. One was key mapping. And he said that that was one that kept coming back as, you know, from the people they've shown this to is like, okay we got to do something about this. Another one was um, this was interesting. Light sources being persistent, like when your torch is sheathed. So like during climbing. So you lose your light source. It's like, hmm, that that seems like a thing that could be made easier, (laughs) you know. Um, And then and then, of course, the first sort of 30 minutes of the um, evaluation build, we mentioned it. It needs to be. They're a little more hand holding for the evaluators, right? Not for us fans. We don't want that. We don't want hand holding. But for for most prospective partners, that the, the ones that they've spoken to, that's what they're hearing, right? And that's for them to appreciate the game and to understand what's going on. And that just Chris said that he realized that they needed to show uh, more than they were telling, and that the future is like he described it as they're a few weeks out from jumping into the shark tank. So it's exciting. Take that for yeah, that is right. So. You know, I guess what that means is like really, really putting it out there and, and letting the um, letting the feedback come.
0: Yeah, there's been some really passionate skeptics that are against the evaluation bill because it they they tie it back to tenants and stuff. And I think it's really important that this is not like as fans, every piece we get, we want more. So when we see something, we want to be excited and we want to over just talk it to death. And it needs to, how does this make the game closer, right? And and I think a lot of people they understand that this isn't for them, but we really need to understand this is something that's going to help the future of the game. It's not a, it's not a picture of what we're going to play. It's a picture of how they can get more money and get more partners? Um, you know, and it's funny because like you said, like these are the things that these evaluators want that handholding we don't want, but they need it. It has to happen so that someone who's going to put a ton of money in this game or become a publisher is willing to toss millions of dollars and they can't have these questions. Um, you know, it's, it's a lot different than us as players. <laughs> like, you know, yeah, most of the time, these publishers aren't going to be the ones running around with, you know, max level characters being the world first. They're they're not. They're just going to be sitting back happy that we're all playing. So
1: that's right. That's right. Exactly. So the real the real interesting stuff came in the next question. It was asked a very general question, you know, what's on the 2021 agenda? And, um, you know, his top item, Chris's top item was partner business development and preparation for growth, preparation for growth. Um, So those are, you know, those are very big big ideas. Um, But he said, as money comes in, you know, they need to be able to put that money to work, which is definitely true. Um, And he said, they're driving hard towards alpha in 2021. So, you know, that alpha word has come up now. We heard it in the producer's letter. We've now heard Chris talk about it on, you know, on their, their forums. So um, what needs to be done? He said, not much to do on the programming side, which is really kind of cool. You know, the code base is very solid. Now here's where we get in what, what he did say needs to be done. And you know, it, it, it is a big thing. He talked about being able to switch out the network stack for scalability. And he he talked a lot about the homegrown, how they're they're homegrown, highly scalable uh, network. And this is something that um, Ben Dean had mentioned on uh, Nathan Napalm's interview with him about how they're proud of this technology that they have. But he said it's a big commitment and it's going to take all hands on deck. And they basically have to can't do much else while that's going on. He sort of framed it like um, major surgery, right? Like they do have to do this big technological piece that is going to pause their development while they do this. Mm -hmm. Um, so being honest, I really felt like he was very honest and there were some things that were probably like, you know, not easy for him or he didn't want to like say, but you have to, you have to be honest with your, with your fans and say this. So, um, he was talking about how this technology really makes the bottlenecks not technological anymore. Um, it's all about scaling the pot, the design, the game design For populations and and designing around population density, that's becoming the challenge rather than technology anymore. Um, When we've heard this before, talked about how cloud computing is one of the major reasons like Pantheon has been designed with this scalability in mind from day one. And so that's not their concern. Um, And then the last point he made um, was that there's quite a bit of world building still to do. Um, and it's always the biggest challenge with mmos he did say jimmy lane you know has pioneered a lot of what they're doing he's um the process that they're using to semi-automate and make things more efficient and it's been a real big deal and it's enabled that um and and then saying you know with that in mind what resource do we what resources do we need to support 8,000 alpha testers that's that's a real challenge right so manpower you know people staff that kind of thing so interesting stuff there what do you think
0: yeah. And a lot of people on a side note here, I don't want to ignore this. A ton of people in the community went crazy about the 8,000 number because mm-hmm. during this, Kilson says something along the lines of like, well, that was just kind of a number we threw out there. It's not a real number. And at first everyone's like, Oh, 8,000, that's 8,000. Um, so there's this big, crazy, like, well, why did you say it? If you know if it's yeah. not a real number? <laughs> um, you know, I, I think what they're trying to say is like, there's probably projections of like where they are now when alpha becomes available or gets announced, there's gonna be a huge surge. Not, it's expensive. Don't get me wrong, but it's not as expensive as getting into, you know, PA testing. So it's probably just this idea of like, you know, we could have somewhere around 8,000 people. Like that's kind of what it was. Um, right. And so, like, I don't know. There's a lot of people that are up in arms about he said a number. Now he's saying that number doesn't mean anything. What does that mean? I think it's really just a way that they kind of said, like, all right, looking at everything the way we have you know, we can expect 8,000 plus people probably, you know, it's probably a very safe number to think like, what investments are we going to get? Who's going to jump into alpha when it's announced and what growth is that going to look like? You know, it doesn't necessarily mean that's where they're at now. So.
1: Yeah, that's a good point. You know, the idea is not like, the idea is that there's a lot of people are going to be playing alpha, right? That's all you really need to know, right? I mean, that's what it, that's what it boils down to um interesting stuff you know they have some crowdfunding initiatives coming up um chris said they have some ideas that they want to do for further crowdfunding they talked about um Ben Dean's apparently working on some awareness marketing and, and some outbound, this is all like corporate speak a little bit, but yeah. uh, outbound awareness influencer marketing in 2021.
0: So hey, maybe we can be
1: part of that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, it does sound like something that, maybe. you know, we yeah. would be well positioned to provide. I mean, I'm, I'm just I'm saying, just saying but, we would love to be a part of that, right?
0: I mean, we'll, we'll put aside time. You know, we'll cancel (laughs) projects and meetings. We'll rework the calendar, but hey, we'll be there.
1: Yeah. Well, you know, I don't know. I'm I'm an influencer on social media. I never thought there would be any day where I would consider myself anywhere near that (laughs) phrase in any sort of way, shape, or form. But who knows? You know. But as long as it's not like you know, when think of influencer, I think of like I don't know, Instagram. You know flavors of the month sort of thing and all these weird things but who knows? just get
0: ready to dress sexy and talk about energy (laughs) drinks okay
1: i'm trying to play it safe with what i say here i'm like i don't want to talk about like you know so so for anyone
0: listening to the rewind right now here's what you have to look forward to in 2021 (laughs) Derek's gonna get sexy on instagram and he's gonna be pitching uh, energy drinks you've never heard of and we're gonna be good so
1: that's right yes i'll use many filters to make myself look so good you'll have no idea (laughs) uh anyway moving on from that (laughs) we got um more detail about um uh their investment and he talked about bringing um uh gina jana russell back as the manager of hr and that's an example of preparing for growth Mm -hmm. which i agree with um one interesting thing here is the question what does alpha build look like um you know and and chris did talk a little bit about how that terms become subjective in the in the industry you know pre-alpha alpha beta is very subjective these days But we are using the term in a very traditional sense. So alpha means major feature complete version, usable, but not complete or polished, right? Not in a complete or polished form. So feature complete is not the same as complete, right? And you have to understand the difference there. Um, And he said, when we have that, we go into alpha. So that's very clear. That's a very tangible thing to say. So I really like that. He also re um, clarified some of the misconceptions about the refactoring. And we've seen this in some of the comments, I think in, in some of the rewinds that we've done and other videos yeah. that refactoring stuff keeps coming up saying they've started over. And you know, he, he, he just reiterated every MMO goes through this. This is not an abnormal process, right? Every MMO is built with a certain amount of hard code and then it gets refactored and changed. And, that's been in their mind since day one they knew this was coming and they knew that it's a totally normal thing in this process of development it's not starting over it's not a waste of time right it's how things are done so i think that needed to be said it can needed to be said again and again maybe a few times who knows
0: and he said you know it was the best thing they ever did yeah to be honest yeah. like it's the best thing they could have ever done for pantheon <laughs> was to make that decision and to start that process so
1: yeah yeah Another interesting question. It's been relevant because we've been talking about it lately. But somebody asked if there was a uh, premium server with no cash shop in the in the uh, in the game plan here. And, and you know, Chris said there's. It's really too early to speculate on elements of their business model. Um, he actually sort of like I don't know what the mindset was, but he said some of the team have speculated on this, and I feel like he kind of like regretted that a little bit, yeah, um, because it does come back to bite you. He he did say the phrase, you know, it won't be pay to win, but maintaining long term health of the game is their core directive. He said they're not going to implement business models that hurt the long-term health of Pantheon. So, you know, we could talk about that for a little while. I don't want to do it right now because I think yeah. you can interpret that a few different ways. But um, we'll, we'll just leave it at that for now. Um, because the last one, and I'm also really excited for this last one because it's my favorite part.
0: <laughs> of course it is.
1: <laughs> yeah, you know what I'm going to say here. Yeah. So he talked about his, what he's excited about in terms of beans he wanted to spill. He said their epic abilities are planned and he knows lots of them and he's really excited for people to see it then he talked about some tab targeting and how they're sort of evolving that. And then he said they're very, he's very excited personally to see the way the ranger is going to work. Um, so he's got a real something going on with the ranger that he really likes. And I, uh, that's music to my ears. Um, I cannot wait till they start showing the ranger off. Um, it is going to be epic. And oh, and he threw in gnomes as well. He really likes gnomes. But who cares about that? We <laughs> care about the rangers. Don't worry about the gnomes. I mean, unless you make gnomes rangers, then, then I'm fine with it. I have
0: but, a theory. So. I have oh, a theory. Yeah,
1: please. Sure.
0: I think Rangers are going to be the top DPS. Uh, I don't think you're going to have the utility and the capabilities that I'm going to have as a rogue. So I don't think you'll be as useful as me, but I don't know if I'm going to be able to compete with you in DPS. I've really started to think that this is a thing that's going to happen. And keep in mind, we've never got to play Rangers, see the abilities, anything. (laughs) I just, I don't know. I've been really feeling this. It's like this internal thing, thinking that wizards and Rangers are going to be the damage powerhouses. I feel like.
1: I really yeah do. i was just gonna say like i feel like drac probably just shed a little fireball tear because you know <laughs> he feels like wizard should be the top dps class in any mmo and um you know who knows how it's gonna work out drac but um it it's might weird kind of, you know, it's weird man
0: because like i picked a rogue originally because if the world's gonna be dangerous i want to be able to stealth around an adventure without being in fear right like getting to be able to disappear mm-hmm. and save myself and it's funny because in in my heart I was picking a rogue for its utility, and then I was like, oh, you know, backstab and damage and blah blah blah. And like the more I've played what's out there right now and what we can experience as a rogue, which everyone's seen, um, I'm more into the utility than I am the damage. I just hope I, I hope that it, like they don't try to balance the damage and then take some of the utility away. Like I'm kind of cool being this odd UP, DPS mm-hmm. utility class. Like I'm into it. Like I love it. So we'll see.
1: Yeah, yeah. No, I just can't wait. Can't wait. Can't wait. I'm still gonna be one uh, on the meters, but well you will only because i'm not trying it's hard yeah <laughs> you'll you, you'll make up an effort for your dps mm-hmm. what i do because i'm just not don't care my that hands will <laughs> bleed
0: on the keyboard to beat you yeah
1: so. that's right <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome so anyway that was chris uh, rowan's uh, interview on the developer Roundtable. so you can go listen to that right now it's uh they posted it on uh, youtube so you can go check that out um yeah was there anything else on that minus you wanted to add i'm gonna, no,
0: gonna move you, on? you covered everything well there loved it
1: cool Okay, so let's introduce some new members of the community this week. We had an influx of new people, which is awesome. Fantastic to see. I, I think personally, just to relate it back, I think this is the impact of the evaluation bill that they showed off um some people saw what they like like what they saw and they decided to, to to join up and chris actually confirmed this a little bit as well he did say that they've seen an influx um so that's good so and when i'm reading these off listen up because there's a few names that people shared of old characters that they want think they're looking to see if they recognize people or if you recognize any of these mm-hmm. people yourself um so anyway first one was from key wish and they said hello everyone long time stalker but my excitement is ratcheting up. So now I'm here. If you've spent time in Norath, you may know me as, so he listed his characters. And the first one is ZZIZ. And he was on the Nameless server decades ago. Uh, Nameless.
0: <laughs> Nameless and yeah, that name.
1: Z Z I Z. I I know. I'm not even going to try to say Every time you say Z, it, Z,
0: I want to clarify for our American listeners that he means the letter Z. Okay,
1: <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> for you and the rest of the uh, the non-imperial uh, English, Queen's English speaking world, Zed. I guess zed i always think of pulp fiction when i hear zed to be honest with you just because you know zed's dead baby <laughs> oh geez. anyway he also played twixt on the alkabor server uh, bolero on agnar and on p99 his name is key wish so if you recognize this person then uh, stop by the forum and say hi next one was heath arthur and they said hey i've been following the game for years now finally decided it was time to get my pledge in on this crazy train spent most of my early 20s in norath on Mithramar server my main was lathe i was a paladin my secondary was uh, Wraithcaller wraith as a necro also spent time in eq2 uh name was Kraith, who was a berserker and if by any chance you recognize those names give me a shout also had a great friend on there that i lost track of years ago named aldiana who was a wood elf druid so if anyone knows that name holler at me and cool. uh, next up yeah very cool uh, next up was uh, Levelin. <clears throat> and they said, Hail to all those who played EQ during the 1999-2001 era. Long-time lurker here with plans to upgrade after the Bard reveal. A class I hope to main, and uh, second class being a paladin. Um, so basically, he's playing, they talked about playing on the Vanguard emulator, getting a feel for it, and just being glad that that's still a thing. Like, you can still play that world, and even though it's not, you know, full form. But um, talking about how important it is to... Um, go back and remember what things could have been right and then looking at pantheon and just you know mm-hmm. onward and upward so i like yeah. that awesome uh yeah next one was uh, revener and they said i'll try and put on my gnome shouting voice here because that's what they wrote anyway they said our fear the gnomish inquisition hello all you tallies gnome from sweden here played eq2 <laughs> eq2 for years three accounts all gnomes and some ratongas star wars galaxies short boffins with pink fur the way to go they said they got a pathfinder pledge um now he he talks a little bit about going on a rant about how some classes can't all classes can't be all races um he feels gnomes are discriminated against (laughs) (laughs) because they're not allowed to play yeah not allowed to play many classes for no reason whatsoever he thinks it's a dumb idea um how am i supposed to play a gnome healer or a tank why should I be forced to play a fat dwarf to heal and a halfling to tank? Everyone knows halflings are food. So I have a big fight of oppression against ahead of me.
0: <laughs> With a smiley face at the end, though.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's all in good fun. I think he yeah. actually did a post on the, on the other forums, too. So he's into it. The last one is my favorite, and you'll, you'll hear why. This one is awesome. This is dispersion. And they said, I'm probably an uncommon pledge and I have no intention to play this game, but I still want to support it. I played D&D, almost always GM'd uh, EQ on the Prexis server for a long time and some early wow. Since then, more or less, I stopped gaming. So they're a physicist. He was actually a professor for a short period of time at a community college and now working in the industry as a scientist. Actually, he's probably offended by what I said earlier about science. He's like, what are these guys talking about? Well,
0: you did say that people do science. That was my favorite part of that. Then you're doing science.
1: science. I'm doing science. Guys are doing science. (laughs) He's like, oh my, who are these bozos? um <clears throat> anyway he goes on to say um i love my job i work a lot super into rock climbing and surfing uh, which take up my weekends i also have a lot of side projects in short i have no time or desire to game but i love following the community thinking of gamecraft listening to podcasts on my commute and want to support the game maybe i'll play pantheon 2 when i retire he says p.s i sometimes go on very long uh very easy free solo rock climbs sunday mornings and i'll listen to pantheon plus rewind usually on the descent since I start early. So don't make me laugh too much. There and minus you just might make me. slip.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that is awesome. Yeah. Wow. I I'm like all smiles. Right now. That's awesome.
1: That's yeah. So cool. I responded to him on the forums. I said, Hey man, I can't promise anything and I can't have your life hanging in the balance based on what we're talking about on the rewind. So, you know, sorry, <laughs> but uh, you, you got to take care of that yourself. But <laughs> anyway, those are some great intros this weekend. Um, Let's just and hope he to, doesn't
0: <laughs> hear the part about doing science while he's
1: climbing. <laughs> Oh my God! Have we doomed this poor man to <laughs> a, a fall from some rock face somewhere because my ridiculous choice of words of doing <laughs> science? Oh gosh! That's okay, well, I got to live with that now. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll have that on my conscience for a while. But uh...
0: <laughs> all right, so everybody, stop thinking about someone falling off of a mountain listening to this show, and let's get into a fun song. Here's the mail; it never fails. It makes me wanna wag my tail. When it gets here, I just yell. Mail. We're getting sued. All right, it's time for the mailbox. Um, we have three questions today. Let's jump into those. Uh, so uh, Gallus says, the Druid class uh, differs from that in many MMOs. Is it better to keep a generalist able to flex into different roles but not excel in any of them? Or is it better to sacrifice some versatility and utility so the class is typically known for to make it more focused and therefore more valuable in top-end raid setting? So he's he's basically saying like, Okay, um, should classes be flexible to fit in different roles? Um, be a jack of all trades. It's kind of that old right. uh, when we were talking to um, Kevin, um, and he he said like about you know those classes that were called hybrids it was kind of like a mistake, right? Because like if you're not right. good at anything, then it's not really worth playing. <laughs> like you right. be, being average at everything is not as fun as being good at one thing. Um, yeah. And I, I kind of side with that. And as far as like making it viable and top end rating. Um, I think that when you have classes with identity that, that do specific things, they're going to be more valuable in my opinion, because then other classes aren't going to do it. What are your thoughts on that?
1: Yeah. It's a question that made me realize, um, how much I wish we had a Druid in our, uh, classes one-on-one video series, um, because they're so different in different games. They really have a wide sort of range of how they're portrayed. Um, I think Galloth is right. Um, when it comes to that. One of the things about the druid that I do like, I do like that they don't fit into a box necessarily. I think about, you know, archetypes and it's easy to think of archetypes for other classes, but you know, what, what famous druids are, are out there when you're making a druid, who are you thinking about? Right. Mm, it's, it's took me. a while to kind of come up with that. Like, and I don't, I thought of Malfurion from, wow, just because I know it from Hearthstone. So maybe people are sort of modeling around Malfurion now, but, um, I don't know if there's, there's no Gandalf, right. There's no like really famous druid that I could come up with. I'm sure people listening to this would be like, oh yeah, think of this one, but, um, I, I I don't know. I think I think them being a generalist is okay. It doesn't preclude you from being valuable necessarily. I, would, I know what you're saying about what Kevin Jordan said, and that's that's true. There is that aspect to it, but I kind of like that they're they're wide open a little bit. I always think of druids as sort of like my my more naturey brothers and sisters, right? <laughs> as a ranger, See, yeah, I, you know, like,
0: I, I very much put druids and rangers like in a box, like I do. I, I always have. Like,
1: I actually, I had an epiphany before we started recording. And I'm going to tell you now because it's it's a perfect moment for it. But like, if you look at the classes, there's always like brothers and sister classes. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. rangers and druids are brothers and sisters. Uh, paladins and clerics are brothers and sisters you know huh. wizards and warriors they're kind of like i, I feel like that like, well yeah because they're like i don't know there's something about them very <laughs> primary yeah. about them the wizard and the warrior they're they, they go right. back to D, early D, right all right and then i thought rogues well like no who are rogues i'm like rogues have nobody rogues you know what rogues are they're like the this the only child that is like <laughs> spoiled and gets everything they want spoiled you know?
0: <laughs> Oh, man the, the, rogues are usually poor or getting by by their thievery and trickery.
1: I don't know they're all I don't know about that.
0: <laughs> spoiled spoils a ranger anything elven is spoiled
1: I uh, oh it? I don't know man I, I, well when you find out what the what the matching class for the rogue is, you let me know i don't I don't know they're kind of like only children in my mind're unique <laughs> special snowflakes yeah
0: I don't know about snowflakes special indeed um so uh <laughs> d b four forty uh, also in his rate, um, he said, how much should VR listen to the community when it comes to making decisions about development? You kind of touched on this with the, uh, mm-hmm. the roundtable, you know, like they want to listen, but there's danger in it and they want to share. and There's danger in mm-hmm. it. Uh, I mean, I have commented on this. How many times? How many rewinds yeah. in Pantheon Plus years do we have? I've commented probably at least half of them. Listen, yeah. I, it sounds silly coming from me because me and you stand up here and we talk about what we want to see. And we try to reflect on some of the great community ideas and we talk in discord till we're blue in the face and we venture into Reddit and the forums <laughs> and tw- Twitter. Um, you know, so we obviously we we have a voice, right? Like we, we can't be stupid and say we don't. We've been doing this for two years. There's still people who check us out. You know, VR is is nice enough to us to listen at times. So we have a voice and it's funny because I'm the first person that says, I think too much of any voice to developers is a bad thing. I really do. I just, yeah. I constantly go back to the same example and I'm sorry for using the same one, but you know, how many people told them how to make Zelda, you know, yeah. nobody it's it, art is art. Um, and I think at some point video games kind of got away from people seeing it as art. Um, these are, visions of worlds it's it's no different than writing a book or writing you know george rr R. martin putting together the world for you know game of thrones um you know for harry potter and that world being built uh for a movie like the matrix and that whole universe like there's this artistic idea that is developed from these creative minds who envision this world and the more outsiders that break into that and try to rationalize it into their own thoughts or their own experiences dilute that idea heavily from being something unique and different that you've never experienced. And I think in gaming, it's the same thing. Like, again, I'm sitting here with a voice. I've, I want transmog, right? Like today we've talked about things we want Um, and we're going to constantly do it. Still, I'm not saying there's a harm in the community doing it, but there is a harm when a developer listens too much. Yes, community does matter, but we matter to each other as well. Um, community matters when there's a, a decision that they're not sure on and they want our feedback and our advice. That's important. But I think at the end of the day, a developer and an artist has to to have their canvas and it has to be what's in their mind, because when that artist stops enjoying their vision, we all suffer very much. So that artist has to stay, you know, devoted to this idea, this this spark that motivated them to put all these hours in. And the more that the community chips away at that idea, again, we just end up with a team that's not as motivated, not as passionate because it's not the dream they had. We want their dream to be as close to that vision as possible. I really do believe that. And along the way, where we can help or we can push a little bit for some cool things, let's do it. That's cool. But that's the extent that I think a community should have when it comes to development decisions. In my opinion,
1: that that is beautiful. I could not say it better myself. What you just said, you should you should frame that, put that up somewhere, <laughs> write that down because it was a that was a thing of beauty, man. And you you just nailed it, hundred percent nailed it. I, I'm not even going to try. So well said, dude.
0: Well, there you go. It only takes, uh, what, 42 episodes, and I get one right.
1: <laughs> oh, right. Um, no, no.
0: Funny final, right. Que- final question in the mailbox here. <laughs> Ogre 2. Um, what are your thoughts on world buffs? Are they good and fun, or do they something that they should be avoided? And I kind of asked him, like, okay, clarify. I thought I knew what he was talking about, but just clarify so I don't go off on a tangent. So we lists mm-hmm. an example uh, for Anexia. When it would die in WoW, you got her head. And then you would go to Stormwind and you would turn the head in, right? And what they do is they'd hang the head up on this big display and everybody would get a big buff. Um, and basically then people that were in high-end guilds would use this buff or plan these world events to happen at the same time so they could be buffed up a little to go, you know, attack these raids that were still difficult or new. Um, so what are your thoughts on something like that?
1: Um, I, I kind of like it, but I kind of like it to be out of the player's control. You know, I don't mm-hmm. want I don't want it to be something that can be triggered by other players because it'll get abused and it'll get I mean, to a certain extent. I mean, I don't know how much they could abuse it if it was a super difficult thing to do. But um, I'd rather it be something like, OK, we know and we know in Pantheon, we know in the world of Terminus um, once a week um, on Wednesday nights, it's, um, you know, Druids have a little bit extra casters have a little extra oomph in their spells and maybe fridays are you know for you can give it a world reason you know give it something like that the cycle of the some, moons yeah <laughs> that, right exactly good point yeah well, that's right cycle of the moons and something like that I, i'd rather be out of the player's control so i don't mind it just don't want it to be abused or gamified i guess
0: yeah no i, I kind of agree i mean it was I, I think i don't know i don't think that the anexio buff was ever that big of a deal yeah um yeah it was kept, fun like, small yeah, I mean, but I get it. Like, you know, every people will use any advantage they can to try to get ahead. Um, yeah. And I don't think that you necessarily design for that small percentage. I think there's probably more people who had a lot of fun with it and just got a little bit extra buffs as they ran around the world with their groups and stuff like that. And I think that there's not really a lot of harm in that. I kind of like it. I think it's fun. It's something different. You go to town and there's fireworks going off. There's a big dragon head hanging there. You're like, oh, cool, you know?
1: Yeah. That's um, announcements cool. that's
0: and stuff. It kind of just makes the world feel alive. I kind of like it.
1: For sure. For sure. I can get behind that.
0: Alright, well that's it for the mailbox. On to
1: you. Sit back and relax. It's time for The Lore You Know. And now, a continued reading from the Book of the Availoth, primer on the human pantheon of Deities. Osari, He Who Rages After descending to join the cohort of the Ravaging Lord along with Hatheth Krebjil of the Archai, Osari enjoyed great success against his former race. Mercifully, he suffered a mortal's fate at the hands of the sons of Terminus on the Silent Plains. As with all of the Five of Contempt, there is illegality associated with the worship of Osari. Temples and shrines to Osari are by law destroyed immediately upon discovery, with prison terms levied among the participants. Tokens and depictions of Osari are similarly outlawed, but some vengeful mortals keep these items buried beneath their cloaks, and bodily markings similarly covered. In those depictions, the head of the defrocked god is often missing, though he still holds his twin axes, thrash and profane. Despite this persecution, his name is still invoked, most often by those seeking vengeance, or used as a curse by those who have been empowered by great anger. And that's The Lore You Know.
0: Well, that wraps up another great episode of The Rewind. Great, I say, because it's fun enjoying it with you. And hopefully everybody listening also thinks it was great. Otherwise, we may get canceled. Just (laughs) kidding. Um, Theric, awesome job today. Thank you very much to everybody out there who hung out with the live chat. I wish I could be there more with you guys, but enjoy Theric's wonderful presence there in the uh, chat. (laughs) And to thank you again, um, we will continue to highlight those who do support us and with those donations and those small little bits that really mean an absolute ton to us, so Um, Derek, thank you for always, you know, sharing the names of those people who go the extra mile to help us succeed. And that's really what you're doing. Um, so we really do appreciate that. And I just want you to know, again, as Derek said many times, you know, we put this back into this product. We're never going to be living off of this. So we we look at this as a net sum of zero. If we can get to zero, um, we're doing a great job putting it back in and stuff like that. Right. So thank you to everybody who listens every week. Thank you to those climbing mountains and listening to us on the way down. Hold on tight, please. (laughs) Please hold on tight. Oh my gosh. Yes, I just, please do. I hope you're okay. If you get injured, but you're still okay, send a picture, but like put like nobody does science, like on a piece of paper. Um, <laughs> or something like that. But if you're okay, if you're not okay, um, no jokes, but when you get better, <laughs> we'll have the jokes again. Um, so everybody, thank you so much. Derek, thank you for another great episode. Don't forget you guys can download this. Uh, if you don't want to listen to it on demand, uh, just, you know, subscribe to us on any podcast, really anything. Um, so Mm -hmm. thank you all again. We'll see you next week for the rewind and, uh, enjoy one more day closer to Pantheon. See you next week, everyone. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Pantheon plus rewind. Be sure to follow minus and all Pantheon plus related content on Twitter, Twitch, and YouTube under the name Pantheon plus. Also be sure to follow Theric at Pantheon Theric on Twitter. Keep up to date on all Pantheon Rise of the Fallen information on www.pantheon.plus, the definitive source for all media of Pantheon. Until next time.